This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze, the one New Year's resolution I've ever been able to stick to. It's completely transformed my laundry experience. Gone are the big, heavy plastic jugs, the measuring out of detergent every time. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze wash sheet. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze eco sheet. It looks just like a dryer sheet, except it's slightly less dry. It's ultra concentrated detergent. I throw it in the wash and that's it. Never think about it again. Laundry comes out great, clean, fresh smelling, no harmful chemicals or bleaches or dyes or anything in there. If you want to change up your laundry game this year, right now my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled, that's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. PR firms are paid to engage in unethical tactics that intimidate and silence Americans who are exercising their rights to support actions that combat climate change. Wealthy and powerful corporate entities are dragging citizens and public interest opponents through meritless but protracted and extremely costly litigation to expose anyone who dares to stand up to them to financial and personal ruin. In its work to silence its critics, the fossil fuel industry is also pushing for the passage of anti-protest laws dressed up as critical infrastructure protection statutes. Documents don't lie. While BP touted carbon capture as key to its transition to cleaner fuel, the company privately hoped this approach would, quote, enable the full use of fossil fuels across the energy transition and beyond, end quote. We also found that Exxon spent nearly $70 million to advertise its research in algae-based biofuels. But company documents reveal that technology is, quote, still decades away from the scale we need. Phew, last week was a big one for climate hearings. Rep. Katie Porter and her Natural Resources Subcommittee on Oversight Investigations has been looking into PR firms and their role in warping the public discourse on climate. She had a hearing on that subject this past week. Rep. Jamie Raskin and his Oversight Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Liberties focused the third of his free speech hearings on attacks on environmentalists last week. And Reps Carolyn Maloney and Ro Khanna focused the third of their climate disinfo hearings this past week on climate justice and shared some explosive new documents that their investigation has uncovered. You just heard Reps Porter, Raskin, and Maloney up at the top of this episode. Today, a look at what happened in those hearings and what's resulting from them. That's coming up right after the break. I'm Amy Westervelt, and this is Drilled. New Year's resolutions are almost destined to fail. I 
resolve almost every year to work less and we all know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but one thing I have been able to stick to and you can too is switching up the way you do laundry in 2024 and grabbing Earth Breeze. I know what you're thinking laundry is not so fun. Those huge heavy plastic jugs measuring out the right amount, getting goo all over the place. It's annoying. Earthbreeze eco sheets totally changed the game. Unlike powder or liquid, Earthbreeze actually looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent. And it's super easy. You just throw it into your laundry and that's it. There's no measuring, there's no lugging anything around. Your laundry comes out clean, it smells great. I love it. It's genuinely made my life easier. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, free of bleach and dyes, so it's perfect for every load. You'll never run out of detergent again thanks to Earth Breeze's easy, flexible subscription. You can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties, and you save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Plus, shipping is always free, and Eco Sheets are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. It also gets rid of one more plastic thing in your life. And the company has donated over 100 million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%. 40, 40. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E.com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. House Oversight Committee is still waiting on oil companies to comply with their subpoenas, but in the meantime, they have received an initial batch of documents, and some of them are pretty revealing. Despite its constant advertising of algae biofuels, for example, apparently ExxonMobil invests a tiny fraction in that program compared to what it invests in its fossil fuel portfolio. And... Internally, company officials talk about the technology being decades away at best. I remember covering algae-based biofuels back in the early 2000s, and scientists were saying that then, too. That was 20 years ago. The most damning document where Exxon was concerned, though, was a draft policy from the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative, 
In it, the oil major asked the group to remove reference to the Paris Agreement, noting that, quote, support for the Paris Agreement goals and member company advocacy are separate concepts and not directly related, creating a tie between our advocacy and engagements and the Paris Agreement could create a potential commitment to advocate on the Paris Agreement goals. Publicly, of course, ExxonMobil has proclaimed its commitment to the Paris Agreement over and over again. It claims to have supported it since 2015. Here's Rep Maloney in the hearing. We obtained uh, an eternal memo prepared for the CEO of Exxon, Darren Woods, in 2019. And this memo shows how Exxon and Chevron worked behind the scenes to drastically reduce and weaken climate pledges made by an industry called the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative. The memo shows the two companies wanted to remove any commitment for oil companies to, quote, align their advocacy with their climate-related positions, end quote. Both in the House Oversight Committee hearing and in Porter's hearing on the use of PR to spin climate disinformation, Republicans and their witnesses made the same arguments over and over. It's a First Amendment violation to come after climate disinformation. Opinions you don't like aren't disinformation. Here's Rep. Porter and witness Christine Arena debunking the idea that you can't go after disinformation without stepping afoul of the First Amendment. Based on your experience, do you know what the standard practices are in the public relations industry? I certainly do. According to your written testimony, you wrote, quote, there is nothing standard or ethical about the practices of the PR firms we are discussing today. What makes these practices different from the standard work PR firms perform for clients? You know, hiring fake protesters is unethical in multiple ways. First, they're fake protesters, right? There's the simulation of community support or opposition that isn't really necessarily real. Secondly, it is not disclosed who is paying for and funding those paid protesters. And thirdly, those paid protesters that I wrote about were actually engaging in what I believe were harassment behaviors, that is stalking Colorado, uh, rising members as they were trying to make their voices heard. Uh, I do not believe that there is a single trade association in my industry that would consider uh, the hiring of fake protesters to be an ethical marketing practice, and I certainly don't consider that standard. Congresswoman Lori Trahan from Massachusetts also tried to make this basic point. I think one thing that's important to note is that we can have free speech and stop the spread of disinformation if we stop with the grandstanding and just get to sensible policymaking. That didn't stop a whole lot of whataboutism on free speech. Here's Republican Representative Blake Moore from Utah in the PR hearing. This committee should be wary of any attempt to stifle the exercise of free speech, regardless of whether or not the majority agrees with the viewpoint. And here's Republicans' favorite reformed environmentalist, Michael Schellenberger, the minority witness in the climate disinfo hearing. As for misinformation about climate change and energy, it is rife on all sides. And I question whether the demands for censorship by big tech firms are being made in good faith 
or are consistent with the rights protected by the First Amendment. That reference to big tech firms was related to the Biden administration's attempt to crack down on COVID misinformation on Facebook, which somehow got trotted out all throughout these hearings, despite it having nothing to do with climate, as proof that the administration is anti-free speech. It's ironic that so many fossil fuel industry allies were so concerned about the free speech of corporations in these hearings, while Rep Raskin, in his hearing, was digging into the industry's very real, very well-funded, and very effective efforts to quash the free speech of individuals. The Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Liberties was particularly focused on two key tactics— strategic litigation against public participation, or SLAP suits, and the proliferation of anti-protest laws or critical infrastructure laws, which place steep fines and penalties on protest. SLAP suits are civil suits that are generally filed by companies against individuals or nonprofits that criticize or protest against them. They can be extremely costly and time-intensive to fight, and thus have a chilling effect on civic action. If you listened to our season on the Chevron Ecuador case, the suit filed against attorney Stephen Donziger was considered by most advocates to be a slap suit. In the wake of the Standing Rock protests in 2016 and 2017, energy transfer partners sued Greenpeace and several activists in a massive slap suit, part of which is still ongoing. The anti-protest laws were part of the industry backlash to Standing Rock 2, aimed at cracking down on pipeline protests in particular. These are both really clear examples of entities with more power limiting the free speech rights of individuals with less power, a textbook example of First Amendment infringement. Unlike the case of a company not being able to lie to the public with impunity. My name is Deepa Padmanabha, and I am Deputy General Counsel for Greenpeace USA. Padmanabhan testified at Raskin's hearing last week. Greenpeace has had experience dealing with both SLAPs and anti-protest bills. SLAPs and anti-protest bills are really two sides of the same coin. They're tactics used by the same corporate actors to quash dissent. We have two lawsuits hanging over our heads, filed by one filed by Resolute Forest Products, another filed by Energy Transfer. The first lawsuit was filed in May of 2016, and that was by Resolute Forest Products, which is one of Canada's largest logging companies. And they sued us for $100 million, alleging damages from a public campaign we had exposing the company's harmful business practices. And then in August of 2017, a very similar suit was filed by Energy Transfer, the company behind the Dakota Access Pipeline. And this was for $300 million for allegedly orchestrating the resistance at Standing Rock. And so these complaints were actually very similar. They had a similar template and they were actually filed by the same lawyers. And so the lawyers behind these suits had actually indicated that they were shopping this tactic around, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see other corporations filing similar suits. In fact, she says she's seen an uptick in slaps being filed against environmentalists in the years since Standing Rock. So there has absolutely been an uptick in oil companies filing slaps over the last few years. 
Um, but I would say what's even more concerning is their attempt to create new dangerous legal precedent through SLAPs. As I mentioned before, in August of 2017, we had the energy transfer suit filed. What I didn't mention is that although it was for $300 million, the company didn't stop there. Energy Transfer brought claims under the Federal Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, or RICO. And as many know, RICO was a law that was created to go after the mafia for organized crime. And what made RICO even more dangerous was that it allowed for the recovery of treble damages. So we were suddenly looking at an almost $1 billion lawsuit. And Energy Transfer was alleging that our advocacy work to uplift indigenous voices at Standing Rock constituted organized crime. And even though ultimately Energy's Transfer's case was thrown out of federal court, in true slap-like fashion, the company refiled an almost identical complaint in North Dakota State Court, which I should note lacks an anti-slap statute. And it also named additional individual defendants. And this is the case we continue to fight today, five years later, after the original federal suit was filed. Greenpeace has also had activists arrested under anti-protest laws. Greenpeace USA activists were arrested in 2019 under Texas's felony critical infrastructure law for unfurling banners on a bridge, which temporarily blocked shipping and brought attention to the connection between the oil industry and climate change. And while we were ultimately not charged under the law, you can, of course, see how both tactics are used by corporations to silence dissent. Currently, 17 different states have these laws on the books. And according to Emma Fisher, one of the authors of a new report on these laws from the nonprofit Climate Cabinet, they've had bipartisan support in some states. One thing that's concerning is, of course, as expected, we've seen these critical infrastructure laws pass primarily in Republican-controlled states, but not without some Democratic support. And so I think it's important to recognize that not all Democrats are holding the line on this issue either. And we've actually seen a critical infrastructure bill introduced in Illinois, which is a Democratic trifecta state. Um, We've seen other types of preemption laws introduced by Democrats in states like New Jersey. And so I think that's something to keep an eye out for, that, you know, fossil fuel interests are, they're going to work with anyone who will work with them. And they're especially working in creative ways to get um, Democrats and labor groups on board. There's a similar hodgepodge of laws around slap suits. 31 states have anti-slap statutes on the books, which enable the easy dismissal of meritless slap suits. But it's easy enough for corporations to venue shop and find a state without one, which is why Rep Raskin introduced new federal anti-slap legislation the day after his hearing. It will make its way through all of the usual painful political gears, but it has a decent shot at passing. Support for anti-slap statutes has tended to be bipartisan, in part because companies have figured out a way to use them too. Earlier this year, Exxon, for example, invoked Massachusetts anti-slap statute, calling Attorney General Maura Healey's fraud suit against the company a slap. The argument didn't work. That case is now moving into discovery. When it goes to trial, Exxon will make the argument that everything it's ever said about climate change is petitioning activity or political speech and thus protected by the First Amendment. That's it for this time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here next week. 
Drilled is an original Critical Frequency production. The show was created and reported by me, Amy Westervelt. Original music and mixing and mastering for this episode by Peter Duff. Our artwork is by Matthew Fleming. You can find us online at drilledpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at We Are Drilled. For ad-free episodes and bonus content, you can sign up for our newsletter at drilledpodcast.com or our Patreon at patreon.com slash drilled. 